Welcome to GameWave. In this episode of the podcast, we have a very special guest. Hello, Joe. Hello, Steve. How are you? I'm very well, apart from traveling to Leeds every day on the train. But these things happen when you work away from home. <laughs> so uh, where, do you, where do you live? You live in... I live in sunny Halifax, which Halifax. is more or less next to Leeds. Yeah, what's, what's good about Halifax? Um... Uh, they have a motorway coming out of it, <laughs> which is uh, pretty good. Halifax is the only place in the country that has a Blockbusters video store that's still open. Yeah, there's none in Sheffield. They've all shut down. Mm. So what have you been up to, Joe? You've been uh, vacant from the podcasting scene for quite some time. Yeah, well, you kind of stole my um, seat, didn't you? <laughs> head of the game with podcast for a while um yeah i was looking today it's actually been ne- nearly a year it was last july that i actually um, put a podcast episode together myself yeah i mean i i after doing that episode i, I went to japan again that was my third time um and i've kind of come back to sheffield in the last few months and um settling down here again yeah so yeah how are you finding the weather it's been surprisingly all right. I mean, we've had a few rainy days, but I think this is shaping up to be one of the better British summers of the mm. past few years, don't you think? I don't know what it's been like in Halifax. Well, it rains all the time in Halifax. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everybody who's here would uh, definitely agree with me. Yeah, you're really not selling it to me. Uh, there's very little about Halifax I can sell. <laughs> Have you ever been to Sheffield? A number of times, yes. Yeah. Uh, not just to the Meadow Hall as well. Oh no! Well, Meadow Hell. Meadow Hell, yeah. That's weekly. I, I very nearly once got run over by one of your glorious trams. <laughs> the trams are confusing. They, yeah, they mess up the whole road system. Yes. Uh, do you think we should play some music? Yeah, well, that's what we're here for, isn't it? So the first track was, yeah. uh, yep, the first track was called uh, "The Beckoning Enslave" by Dyad. Um, it's. I found that to be a very good opening track. Yeah, very. It's just heavy metal, isn't it? It reminded me a lot of Vert. Sounds a lot like Vert, but a little bit heavier. Yes. Yeah. Completely agree. That reminds me of the other news, which I will uh, make a note of to to mention after the uh, the next set of uh, of tracks. Cool. Um, the next track is Portello XM. By Mother Chip. Enjoy.
there you just heard three tracks in a row. The first was from Mother Chip. The second was a little taster of an album that's going to get released soon on the label I run, Pterodactyl Squad. And I'll be talking a lot more about this release towards the end of the show. But it comes from Video Game Orchestra. It's from their new album, Chiptune Viral. And as I say, we'll be talking about that a bit later. The third track of that little trilogy was a remix. It was a remix by Iron Curtain of Wiz Wars track Skyline. Okay, so what's that little piece of news you teased me with, Steve? Well, this week, OC Remix have released the album Final Fantasy VI Balance and Ruin, uh, which is um, an amazing collection of of all the tracks from Final Fantasy VI. And they've all been um, arranged by um, remixers and performers. Uh, So, for example, um, Vert, um, Jake Kaufman has remixed one of the tracks, and uh, Jeff Ball uh, has done another one. Joshua Morse here. Yeah, lots and lots of different people. Um, And there are five CDs worth of tracks on there. There's there's quite a lot of... of, That's um, a lot of music to get through. Absolutely, yeah. I've been listening to it today, and it, it really is spectacular. Um, I don't remember much of the game myself. Um, no, I, I came into the Final Fantasy series and left, actually, on Final Fantasy VII. That's the only game of the series I've ever really mm. uh, got stuck into. How about yourself? Yes, I mean, I, I remember, well, I remember the first part of Final Fantasy VII because I borrowed it off a, a friend of mine. Um, and I played through the first disc on the PlayStation put the second disc in of course it wouldn't play mainly because my my friend had used it as a coaster so okay. um it wasn't, yeah that that was as much of final fantasy 7 as i played so yeah that was back in the day when um you had playstation games that came on sometimes more than one disc yeah yeah i think it was three for final fantasy 7 yeah i think it was yeah so, i never owned a playstation i've never owned a playstation no I, obviously, I always used to play it in my mates' houses, but, but what what kind of let, let's talk, let's talk, get to know our hosts today. What what's your history with video games, Steve? My video video game history starts many many moons ago. Yeah. Um, in when was it? Nineteen eighty four, nineteen eighty five, something like that. Yeah, um, I feel old, but that was before I was even born. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My parents bought me a Commodore 64, which is probably why I play a lot of 8-bit classic Commodore 64 tracks. Um, So I've kind of grown up with that. Uh, I moved from the Commodore 64 to the Amiga. Uh, We also had a uh, NES as well at our house, my brother had. Uh, Sort of went from the Amiga onto PC, and, and I've been moving ever since with that platform um i bought a playstation a couple of years ago playstation 3 uh, but use it more for media than anything else okay so um what are some what are some memorable games growing up the commodore 64 game parallax was excellent firstly it was um it had the ocean loader 2 which is my all-time favorite piece of music um 
to to load the game in. Um, but it also had brilliant playability in, inside the actual game as well. Um, yeah, a game I've heard of but never really played. It's a difficult one to to pick up because it's it's quite strange that you fly your ship around and then you have to land once you've destroyed all the airborne aliens and go in and rescue scientists and and get them out and then just keep doing that over and over again. Let's see, memorable ones further up. I remember playing Wolfenstein 3D on the PC and then playing Doom and Quake and being absolutely, utterly amazed by the fact that I could just walk around a three-dimensional environment. Uh, Quake more so because I could actually go underneath myself, where in Doom, of course, you, you couldn't do that because it was all one level. Right. So. Yeah, I, I, I do remember. I was young when those games were kind of coming out, but I do remember playing them on a like a friend's PC. But I was I was going to say Commodore 64. That was really bef- it was before my time. But kind of growing up, I I still had friends who still had it. Do you remember mm. a game called Chuck Rock? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. That Chuck that Rock. one sticks out for me whenever any, anyone mentions the Commodore 64. I used to love that game. Yeah, and then there was Chuck Rock 2, I think, which was son of Chuck or, or something. <laughs> I, yeah, I, you're I, basically a caveman running around. Yeah, throwing rocks about. Yeah, hence yeah. the name. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess my first console um, would would be the the NES, the NES. Um, I think I, I got that for my fourth birthday. Wow! Um, yeah. my, my dad took me down. Do you remember Comet? Yeah. Well, it's still around, isn't it, Comet? Mm. Um, took me down to Comet, bought me a NES, and I kind of stayed on the Nintendo path ever since then. Never had a PlayStation. Just gone NES, like skip the SNES, N64, GameCube. Yeah. Mm. I uh, yeah, I I do actually have. I can see it now. My Nintendo 64 is on the top shelf of my cabinet in yeah. uh, in my office here. Well, I can see mine as well. Mine's loaded up with a copy of F Zero X, which mm. I just recently completed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, computer games have come a long way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of computer games, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Paige, um, is part of the development team for a game called Magnetic, uh, which I've uh, had a look at today, um, watched a couple of videos, and it's quite an interesting uh, little game by the looks of it. Um, you basically control a robot that uses magnets to get around a level so it can attract or repel itself from a, a magnet and use physics um, to move about a level. Um, what platform is this? It's going to be on everything. Um, it's currently on Xbox Live, which you can get sort of the the pre-release mm. um, game, but it, they're, they're hoping to get it out on everything. They're building it in Unity, so they should be able to just press a one button and it... It ports to quite a lot of different platforms. But the one of the good things about it is they've got um, an Emmy Award-winning composer on the team, uh, a gentleman called uh, Lance Montgomery. Um, he's going to be crafting a chiptune-style s- uh, soundtrack for the game. Cool. And uh, I'm going to be looking out for that and uh, chatting with Paige about seeing whether we can get some, some of the music on the show. 
that's cool. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's a trend, isn't it, now? Even though games are obviously progressing in the things they can do, people are still going back to the 8-bit visuals and the 8-bit sound. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think um, now that chiptunes and um, and chiptune style has sort of been given a burst into the, the popular sector, it, we're going to start seeing it sort of more prevalent. Is that the right word? I think so. Yeah, well, I'm starting to hear chiptune influences in, yeah, a lot of pop music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, chiptunes, do you think we should uh, have a little more music? Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay. Um, this next track is from the Ground Zero uh, release by Zef, and it's called Cruise Control. Let's <laughs> go. 
set was the track by Zef. Uh, the second track you heard was a track called Let's Go to the Graffiti Festival, uh, which is taken from the Wizard release by Dark Oyster. And that was followed by Threat Level Midnight by Shane Bow. I'll put links in the uh, the show notes for uh, where you can get all of those tracks from. Yeah, so um, I feel like we need part two of getting to know your Gamewave podcast hosts. Um, so we, we we talked a bit about our history with video games. How about we talk about some um, movies? Um, okay, but you're not allowed to say anything about Man of Steel because uh, I'm going tomorrow and I don't want to know anything about it. That's cool because I haven't seen it either. So. Right, to be honest, cool. I haven't seen any of these films um, we're going to talk about. So it's just... I'm going to be judging these books by their covers, basically. Yeah, yeah, which is sometimes good. The two films that I'm kind of interested in this this summer um, are Pacific Rift and World War Z. Pacific Rim. Rift. Rift. Pacific Rim. What's it called? Pacific Rim or Pacific Rift? Um, uh, I it was Pacific Rim. Yeah, I what? think it is. <laughs> So you want to see Pacific Rim this summer? Yes. Giant robots, giant monsters, having a big fight. What could <laughs> be better than that? For a, yeah. It, uh, the, the movie, for me, kind of captures a lot of the, the giant robot anime that I have watched over the years. Okay. Um, things like Gundam, um, Dangayu, um, even things like Ghost in the Shell type of things where one or two pilots pilot some kind of mecha to ultimately stop something happening. Um, right. In Pacific Rift, it's it's a similar sort of thing. Two pilots pilot a giant robot to um, take on some giant monsters that have crawled out of the um, out of the sea. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I saw an advert for this film on the side of a bus, and it just looked like Transformers to me. But yeah, I can I, I can see that. Um, I think they've subtly changed it from that kind of of what they, they could have made it the same, mm. um, but. Um, They've they've given it um, Guillermo del Toro has um, given it its own kind of flavour. So, for example, the the robots from different parts of around the world are all designed differently as they would be. Interesting. Um, so it's it's certainly going to be interesting, but I'll report back and and let you know what I think after I've seen it. Please do. I was going to say the other one for me was was World War Z. Oh, is that um, the Brad Pitt movie? Yeah, um, I recently finished the book World War Z um, by um, Max, uh, whatever his name is, um, and the book 
I can't see how they're going to make it into um, a film. Max Brooks, there we go. Why? The book really details personal accounts of what happened throughout the entire event. Um, for example, the interviewer goes and talks to one of the soldiers who were at the first battle um, when the, the, the zombies just sort of annihilated the forces. It gets his account of what happens and how he got out. And it's all little stories. And how they're going to make that into a film, I, I don't know. Um, so I'm quite interested to see how that works and how Brad Pitt's character kind of brings all that together, because I think he plays the reporter in it. All oh, right, I see. Um, I actually thought that the the book would be perfect for a set of YouTube videos. Yeah, you I could, guess if you're interviewing many people, it'd be an idea to split it up. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any that you um, any movies that you fancy seeing this year? Yeah, I think this is where we find out that our taste in movies differs. Um, I'm not that into action movies, uh, to be honest. It sounds like you are. I'm, I'm more of a comedy guy, so I I am looking forward to seeing the internship. Now, I don't know really much about these films other than. The adverts I've seen on buses or what I've heard about them on the radio. So I'm just, like I said, going on. I'm judging a book by its cover. Yeah. But I'm a massive fan of, you know, Wedding Crashers, which has Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson in. Mm. Um, I think they're a great combination. And I like to hope that, you know, the internship would be a, a similar kind of film. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it will be from, from what I've seen. It's got quite a good write-up. Um, on some of the movie sites, so I think you'd be in for a quite a good movie there. Yeah, I think the the general storyline is they something like they lose their jobs and they have to go and get an internship at Google. So mm. yeah, I think it's interesting when uh, movies deal with real life, you know, companies and things like that. It seems to be happening a lot more in movies and TV shows these days. Yeah, yeah. As long as it's not reality TV and they don't have those big dramatic pauses in. <laughs> and the winner is yeah and as long as long as it's not you know just selling google because google are doing some pretty dodgy things these days you know yeah mm. yeah another 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 movie i want to see um this is the end have you seen any adverts for this or anything? um i get this one mixed up with the one about the pub or is that the same one the one about the pub it's part three of the Cornetto series, and that's about a pub crawl where it ends at a certain pub, but I can't remember what it is. I shall. To Google! Uh, that's something like uh, the end of the world, or... Yeah, that, th no, that, that, that's this one. This is the end. Oh, right. Um, I think it's like the world is ending, and you're just basically looking at how these um, this group of actors deal with that. Um you know, it's Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen, James Franco, all that lot. Ah, right. Ah, right. What I'm thinking of is The World's End. Ah, uh, is that coming out this summer? That's coming out this year, July 19. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Sounds very similar. Simon Pegg. Um, ah, oh, it's one of the dead. Yeah, that's the guy. Nick Frost. Yeah. Uh, five friends who reunite in an attempt 
to top their epic pub crawl from 20 years ago, uh, unwittingly become mankind's only hope for survival. That does sound kind of similar. Mm. You get, uh, you get, you tend to get this a lot with films, like, for some, well, I guess it's to be expected, but you get two films that are dealing with very similar film, uh, themes, you know, coming out at the same time. Yeah. And they're not related. Yeah. Hmm. You also see that with uh, games as well that turn up occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I completely agree with you. I think I was reading an article when Top Gun came out. There was another film called Iron Eagle, which everyone thought was just a rip-off of Top Gun, but it, it was just no relation whatsoever, and they came out at the same time. Mm, yes, I seem to recall. I remember those being released. Yeah, just shows how old I am. Yeah, once again before I was even born. Yeah, yeah, oh well. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to rub it in <laughs> <laughs> Right, come on, let's, um, let's introduce our artist for this week. One of the artists that is going to be playing at Superbite Festival uh, this year is an artist called Mizkai, and I dropped her an email and asked her the two questions that we've been asking all the artists, and uh, she sent me over some MP3s uh, with her answers in. I'll just read you a little bit of bio taken from Mizkai's SoundCloud page, uh, which is quite interesting and quite bizarre. Here we go. Miss Kai began life in the petri dish of sugar solution in a secret laboratory nestled somewhere in the quaint British countryside, created from a complex compound recovered from the furthest reaches of space, destined to one day awaken and brainwash the populace with acute hypnotic lo-fi soundscapes. So she's a very... Um, she's influenced by Japanese music and the Japanese aesthetic by the looks of things. Yes, yeah, quite heavily. Um, she tweeted a picture and said, "This year's Superbite is going to be a blast." Are you um, are you going this year? Yeah, well, I, I, I think it'd be rude not to, really, wouldn't it? Um, I'm going to be in the country and it's not too far to travel, so mm, I'll be uh, I'll be there. Uh, I can only make it for the Saturday show. Uh, which is a shame, but uh, I'll be there for most of the day. Yeah. What's what's the date? Let's inform our listeners. Friday the 13th and Saturday the 14th of September. Cool. Well, the 13th is my birthday, so... Yeah, cool. Yeah, that'd be a nice birthday party. But like, we're going to talk about Superbite a bit after this yep. um, artist spotlight, aren't we? So. Yeah, we will do. Right. Well, I'll get on and do the questions then. The first question was... From the music that you have created, what track are you most happy with and why? I think my favourite track has to be Monomania because for me it's a real breakthrough. Um, it's where I really started to refine my instruments and to make a more coherent sound rather than just chaotic, hectic mess. So um, for me this was a real turning point in my music where I started to take things a little bit more seriously and try to create um, a sound rather than just mess. <laughs> so I really hope you enjoy listening to it. Let's go. 
The second question I asked was, from the music that has been created by other chiptune artists, who and which track in particular impresses you? I think my favourite track by somebody else has to be Kid Fly Away and Shooting Stars because for me this track has got such an energy. It's the kind of track that I put my headphones on and instantly feel like I could run through walls. So for me this is something I'd love to emulate in my own music. It's just got such character and it just makes me feel so happy and just so energetic. So this is really a top track for me. The third track I'd like to play is a track called Sugar High. This track has got so much energy going for it that it it just makes me want to get out of my chair. I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) 
I'd like to take the opportunity to thank Miss Kai for taking the time and submitting her answers to us. Uh, thank you very much. Right. Should we discuss Superbyte? Yeah, we, we definitely should. You, if you go to superbytefestival.co.uk, um, they've updated the the poster and the lineup for all the artists that are going to be uh, performing uh, during yeah. the weekend. Because uh, they've had a couple of changes to the lineup, haven't they? They've had a couple of people drop out, and the the last uh, artist that they've added to the list is uh, Shirabon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good lineup. You got Saber Pulse, 8-Bit Weapon, Shirabon, Nerdluff. Be good to see Saber Pulse again. Played a few shows with him before. Mm. Saber Pulse, I think he's playing on the Friday, which is a right. Yeah, uh, which of course I'll I'll miss. Mm. I think I'm just trying to find the uh, the day lineup, which I can never find on the website. Just uh, I'll look for it later. Okay. Um, one of the highlights for me is. Um, um, I'm going to be meeting Skip Cloud. Um, I've been following him and chatting with him on Twitter for quite some time uh, since he, he was on the podcast, and I've got to know him quite well. So I'm, I'm going to take the time to buy him a beer. Also, there's going to be um, there's going to be a workshop, isn't there, from Harley Likes Music? Yeah, there's um, a number of workshops um, they've got planned during the day. Um, they include the one from Harley Likes Music, there's also um, Atari DJing uh, with STU and Gwen, Gwenham. I may have mispronounced that completely. There's also um, a building MIDI interfaces for retro gaming hardware with Scrubber Fox, which from the picture it looks like he's got um, some kind of speak and spell and numerous game pads and a... Um, a Spectrum 48K um, home computer there as well. And then there's a LSDJ uh, session with Comptroller as well. Uh, if you're interested in any of those, uh, they are taking sign-ups on the website. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I met up with Harley. We, we both live in Sheffield. Uh, we went out for a beer sometime last week. Yeah, he, he's, he's looking forward to, to running his workshop. Says he's never done anything like that before. But, you know, he's definitely the kind of person you want to be learning from. And it's interesting you mention Speak and Spell. Um, I'm sure he won't mind me revealing this, but he's got um, kind of a side project on the go at the moment with a friend of his where he's going to be, um, you know, circuit bending and hacking into kids' toys and things like that. So I'm sure when he finally gets around to recording some music we can mention that on the show yeah yeah that'll be good um shall we play a little more music there's a there's three more tracks um the final set for us and then we've got a another track uh, to close the show yeah i mean we've kind of both picked songs for this episode haven't we um this next this next track is one of my picks yeah, it's not a new release by any means, but it's by Disaster Peace, one of our favourites here on the GameWave podcast. It comes from a soundtrack he did for a game that was released last year. The game was called Shoot Many Robots. I've I've not seen that game. 
Yeah, it's apparently a four-player co-op run-and-gun action shooter published by Ubisoft. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, Disaster Piece, obviously, he's doing very well for himself now. Um, you know, he did the soundtrack to Fez. Um, seems to be doing well, making some music for some very well-known games. I, I love the soundtrack to this game. I haven't played the game, but I love the music. It's very, very southern influenced you know southern america mm. um there's lots of banjos and harmonicas and you know sitting on porches and mm. this track is really representative of the whole album if you like it you can head on over to shoot many robots.bandcamp.com download the whole thing just for it's only four dollars right let's play that now
So the first track of that trio was Cliffs and Mines and Such by Disasterpiece from the Shoot Many Robots soundtrack. And speaking of Disasterpiece, um, the net label he runs alongside Phlogiston, Pause. Obviously, I'm sure listeners of the podcast are very familiar with Pause. They've released some absolutely phenomenal albums over the last few years. They started in 2007, and unfortunately... They came out with a press release lately that they're going to close their doors after their 100th release. Um, they're not quite there yet. I think they've still got about 20 releases to go. And obviously all the music is going to stay online after they finish. But yeah, I think they're going to round it off at 100. And then the second track of those of that three was Hole by Fox Jr. from the Itty Bitty Baby release. The um, third track uh, that you heard there was uh, one of my uh, favourite 8-bit classic tracks. And that was produced by a gentleman called Rob Hubbard on the Commodore 64 from the game Light Force. And um, what I'll do is I'll put a a link to the Zap64 scan of the magazine page that deals specifically with the game that um, 
that track was part of. Um, the game itself was sort of like um, a top-down uh, scrolling shooter, and uh, the music kind of made it for me. Uh, it's one of those where you, you fired it up and just sat there at the title screen and just listened to the entire track all the way through. Yeah, well, pure, pure brilliance. Rob Hubbard, you know, um, one of the original pioneers, really, of video game music, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some of the best tracks on the Commodore 64 were, um, I want to say, invented or changed or... Um, there was, there is some evidence that he's maybe perhaps borrowed some uh, ideas from other places, but <laughs> um, the guy is just a genius at programming a SID chip. So Zap 64. Yep. Something I'm not familiar with. Was that a magazine read back in the day? Exactly. Um, back before the internet, uh, the only way that you could really get any kind of information about. Um, computer games was through magazines there were a number of them out at the time one of the better ones was a magazine called zap 64 um, every month came out had excellent reviews um, loads and loads of information about upcoming games um, loads of cheats which of course you needed because you can't google everything um, and games were harder back then Oh, games were impossible. I remember one game uh, called Trolley Wally, where you had to go around and collect things in a supermarket. Impossible. <laughs> you just couldn't get past the tenth item. It was just crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was a it was a simple time, wasn't it? Um, I was talking with my friend about this the other day, but before the internet, like the the only way you could know things about a game, or even the fact that a game was going to be released, was through a magazine. Maybe a TV show. Yeah. But information wasn't on tap like it is now. Absolutely. Um, there, there were a few other articles as well, like, um, I don't know if you remember CFAX. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Teletext <laughs> system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they had a number of, of pages on there, but of course, you couldn't have any screenshots uh, and no. things like that. So. The magazines were always the best source of information. Yeah, definitely. CFAX, yeah, didn't that shut down kind of recently? A um, couple of years ago, I think, yeah, they finally turned it off. But I don't think anybody ever looked at it anyway. <laughs> I remember e each channel had its own version, didn't it? Yeah. The BBC had CFAX and the other channels maybe had Teletext. But I remember on Channel 4, there used to be a quiz um, you know, like a very primitive game that you could play. Mm, yeah. That was always fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, how technology moves on. I don't know. I mean, you've got a kid, haven't you? Yeah. Cool. You're going to have to explain to him all these ancient methods of data transmission, like magazines and CFAX. Mm. Well, I still have numerous copies of Zap64 in a box somewhere. <laughs> and I've still got my Commodore 64, my original one from That's 1986. Cool. So I'll be getting those out at some point when he's old enough to understand what they all are. That's cool. Yeah, I never, I never kept any of my old consoles. I've kind of re-bought them, so it's cool that you have the original. Mm. Right. Um, I think that's about it for the show. Um, 
I want to thank Joe for um, agreeing to come on here and uh, uh-huh. chat with me about the pod- about music and other stuff that we've talked about. Definitely. I mean, I'd, let's do it again sometime. Um, you've done a really good job of you know keeping the podcast alive while I've been otherwise engaged. So, well, I haven't had a schedule. Um, Per se, it's been rather infrequent, but um, cool. I have enjoyed doing it. Yeah, good. Well, as, as usual, you can find our website at gamewavepodcast.com. Um, if you head on over to the episodes page, you can download all our previous episodes and you can get the show notes for each episode, which feature um, all the artists and all, the, all their websites and things like that. Yep, and don't forget, all episodes of the Gameway podcast are hosted online by the Net Level Pause. You can find those guys over at iimusic.net. And if you want to get in touch, I guess there's a few ways now. Um, I mean, we've still got the contact at gamewavepodcast.com email address going. That'll go straight to me. Um, you can also tweet me um, at... Joe Gamewave, and you can tweet yourself, can't you, Steve? Yep, you just uh, you find me lurking around Twitter um, with my username of at s butterworth. There you go. Okay, for this final track, I think uh, Joe has got a little bit of news about an upcoming Pterodactyl Squad release. Yeah, well, a couple. In fact, um, we played a track from Video Game Orchestra, didn't we, towards the start of tonight's show. That comes from their upcoming release, um, which it was quite a surprise when I got an email from Alex of Video Game Orchestra, um, but a very pleasant surprise. He said that him and George from Video Game Orchestra had been planning a memorable summer release for a while. Um, It all began when they were looking over some photos of a holiday in Brazil, and that basically gave them the idea to write a whole album of chiptune bossa nova songs. So it's going to be a very chilled out release, a very relaxing release that you can listen to while you're lounging around on the beach this summer. Um, we're hoping it's going to be out within the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned to ptesquad.com for that. And then after that, our next release is going to be from L Power. Um, This is a release we're very excited about. And as you mentioned, Steve, on the last show, it's going to be in conjunction with Telefuture. We're going to be handling the digital release. And then you're going to be able to buy Abinox 1 and Abinox 2 on the same cassette through Telefuture. So pretty exciting stuff. Mm. And, yeah, this is going to be a track from Abinox 2. It's an exclusive to the GameWave podcast. No one's heard this before, so get ready for Abinox 2 to be released on Pterodactyl Squad and Telefuture very soon.
about does it i think i shall hit stop yoink <laughs>